house. No, the right no, house. I didn't get we want to talk to Marilyn Hack. I'm from Canada Water. In directing, the director's branch of the Academy nominates The Irishman, Martin Scorsese. Joker, Todd Phillips. 1917, Sam Mendez. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Quentin Tarantino. And Parasite, Bong Joon-ho. Nice. I did it. I did, did it. it. Thank you so much. I did it. Congratulations to those men. Hello and welcome to the This Had Oscar Buzz podcast, the only podcast that fits better when it gets wet. R.I.P. Swimona. Every week on This Had Oscar Buzz, we'll be talking about a different movie or perhaps performer who can say that Once Upon a Time had lofty Academy Award aspirations, perhaps after we saw their movie at the Toronto Film Festival and we all said that they deserved to get a Supporting Actress nomination and everybody agreed. But for Including some reason or another, Gary. it all went wrong. <laughs> Including who? Gary. Including Gary, because we love Gary. God damn it. This makes me so angry. Their Oscar hopes died, or maybe her Oscar hopes died, or perhaps it happened on Monday morning, and all the light went out in the universe. And we are here now to perform the autopsy. Thank you for your patience during that long introduction. I am your host, Joe Reed. I am here, as always, with my co-host, Chris File. Chris, it's been a long three days. Um, what the hell did Uma Thurman say... When asked, oh right, she's like, I'll I'll talk when I'm when the when I'm less angry. I have learned something like I have learned through my life. I don't have a tidy soundbite for you because I have learned I am not a child, and I have learned that when I've spoken in anger, I usually regret the way I express myself. So I've been waiting to feel less angry. And when I'm ready, I'll say what I have to say. We're here to sort of, not exactly to post-mortem the Oscar nominations. We're here to honor the This Had Oscar Buzz class of 2019. But we can't do that without talking about the proximate... uh, nominations and snubs and who got i'm willing to call jennifer lopez a snub i think i'm not the only person who has expressed this point of view somebody on twitter was like i get the thing where nobody wants to use the word snub because it's inaccurate and it and it makes the act of voting voting, for somebody in sixth place into an act of active um you know disregard yeah but the oscars are not voted on by 10 people in a room everybody's filling out their ballots secretly nobody's voting no people are voting you know yes to other people but in this case it does feel like a snub it it feels here's why it feels like a snub to me if you are in hollywood if you are a person who lives in the industry town that is los angeles california and particularly hollywood and you you are aware that a performer like Jennifer Lopez, who has been at it for such a long time, and who clearly has been going through this Oscar season, she wants it. She wants it in a way that to me is not ugly. She wants it in a way that is, it 
it clearly for her means a lot in terms of affirming what her career has been. Yes. Right. I also think she wanted it in a way that was not planned in the way that like, sorry, again, a Glenn Close plans for, and like, you know, makes choices based on it. I think that even to Jennifer Lopez, this type of attention was a surprise and she ran with it in a way that I thought was really beautiful. So to see all of that unfold throughout Oscar season, to see her do the Hollywood Reporter Roundtable and, you know, red carpet for the Golden Globe and this event and that event, yada, yada. And then to to not, it's not like it's hers by divine right, but still, to not want to see that reach its full conclusion for, you know, in for other nominees who are like, listen, I think Scarlett Johansson is legitimately great in Jojo Rabbit. But, like, you know she's getting nominated in another category anyway. To not nominate Jennifer Lopez does feel like an active fuck you. Not just to her, but to also the movie. Right. Because, like, you, everybody who wasn't predicting her at the time was the people that were actually talking to Academy voters and the type of shit and the type of reasoning that you hear for them to not vote for that movie specifically is... It's not an Oscar Offensive. It's offensive. (laughs) Like, it is just a movie about strippers, so therefore it's not worthy. Yep. You know, like, it wasn't. Yeah, it's... The implications of why she wasn't nominated suck, man, and they are an absolute bummer. And, like... You know, it, it does, I think to your point too, it does point to a performer who wasn't taken as seriously and like that made them overlook her in ways that I think other performers haven't gotten overlooked like that or reduced, you know, yeah. that have gotten the nomination before, whether it's like comedy performers that do a dramatic role and get nominated for it because look at them stretching and it's just like... I think it comes down to, I looked at Jennifer Lopez after I saw Hustlers, and I thought, A, it's a great performance, but B, it's a great narrative. How she started Mm -hmm. off as an actress, and then she sort of sidetracked it into this pop career, and then the pop career sort of made the acting career somewhat impossible for a while, and she sort of got bogged down by all this tabloid stuff for various different things, and now she sort of emerged on the other side and is, you know, taking her acting career by the horns again and this feels like a triumph of that and what a great narrative that is and i think too many people looked at that same story and were like eh. yeah and we're just just we're not just did not see in that what i saw in that and like that's and a just bummer. like refused to credit this movie and her with things that they credit other people for all the time like this is one of the more frustrating things to me about Hustlers and the way that it was overlooked overall as a movie, but I think Jennifer Lopez is a huge part of this. That is a $100 million movie that was independently financed and ended up making $100 million. And nobody celebrated that because it was a movie about lower uh, lower income women. Well, what did I say when you tweeted something like that when it hit $100 million and you were like, people aren't talking about this the way they should be talking about it? And I was like, this is how things lead to a performance like Jennifer Lopez getting snubbed. Mm-hmm. And I said it then. And I was, uh, and I, this is why I was so worried She's before the Golden She's a huge reason why that movie made as much money as it did. And her performance, especially, and people being excited about it, 
and like telling your friends that this is something that you have to see you have to see jennifer lopez and what she's doing in this movie and like it became this massive financial success you know yep oh it's such i don't know it's such a bummer anyway so oscar and and of course this was the first category that they announced and part of me when i saw that it was the first category that they were announcing yeah got that pit in my stomach of just like oh god it's bad news oh god they want to get the bad news out of the way right right away and and there it was and it happened and of course you know me i have my list you you very uh generously chris offered to uh, create the nerd list for me this year because I was time crunched and it was literally like the nicest thing a friend has ever offered to do for me. So thank Here's you. Here's the thing. I clearly put too much effort into it because I was like, what could all possibly be there? And it turns out all I needed to do <laughs> was five or six different movies in every category and everything would have already been there for you. Well, you missed out on the Ad Astra one, but that was the only one. So well, very well There was there. absolutely no campaign for Ad Astra. Disney did not fork up any money that and like i don't even think they sent out screeners for that movie so like no that, i certainly didn't get a screener absolutely i mean not. that's also like the um hail caesar was it production design nomination that there was literally no effort put out towards it and it fully right. was a nomination that happened on merit from that branch rewarding that movie yeah but anyway, so I, the, all the you know contenders are in alphabetical order. So I know as soon as it goes from, um, wait, Scarlett it goes Johansson to Florence, Florence Pugh. Pugh, right? Yes. So it went Laura Dern. Uh, who was before Dern? Kathy Bates, right? Kathy Bates happens, and I'm like, ooh. And I'm just By like, but it's not. Scarlett but it's not necessarily the, the worst news. I was. That's when I immediately well, right. panicked. Right, because you're doing the math in your head of like, mm -hmm. oh god, like we're There's running only out. There's more spaces left. This little like mental sort of like hash mark in your mind of just like, if we get to here and we don't have these people, there's trouble in 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 River City, and it's just like, and then we got to Scarlett Johansson and Florence Pugh, and I literally just went like, fuck out loud, and I was just like, mm -hmm. and I had to keep, you know, following along because I'm making my little check marks on my list, and. But I was just like, I almost wanted to just be like, well, it's like, what what am I bothering with the rest of today for? It's just, it, <laughs> it it's sucks. been lost. I it's mean, lost. I think it's the Oscar heartbreak, Oscar nomination heartbreak of my lifetime, maybe. And it's exacerbated yeah. because, you know, there's no people of color other than Cynthia Erivo. Um, in the acting nominations, sorry, one does not absolve you of any responsibility, Academy. But like... But also, don't let's, really like, see much of it in the craft categories either. I mean, for some of it, it's like, thank God Parasite's there. Uh, notably, no Ruthie Carter in costumes for Dolomite is my name. Like, that's part of the thing that sucks. But I think, like, when you look at it and you just see the same movies over and over, it's like th the lazy thinking of, like, everybody just watching these same movies... It's a bummer. I, it's I would like, rather mourn individual, like, losses and misses. Yeah. And in that way, because, like, I don't, like, Cynthia Revo getting a nominated is a great thing. She was, you know, so good in Widows last year. She was so good. She, like, held up half of um, Bad Times at the El Royale. Harriet's not a great movie, but she's good in it. I get mm -hmm. the, like... You know, I'm not gonna. I'm not the person to get into parsing about like what kinds of roles for black women are 
are we're allowed to feel good about and bad about like that is not for me to say and i, don't I think, think the things that are not working in that movie are completely disassociated from her performance and i think she's really good but i think individually i'm sad that ruthie carter didn't get nominated i'm sad that eddie murphy weirdly enough like i have do not have <laughs> historically a great love for eddie murphy i think it's been very difficult for me to sort of latch onto him as a feel-good story given his history of you know anti-gay shit but like I loved him in that movie. I loved him in Dolomite. Mm-hmm. I wanted somebody from Dolomite to get nominated. Like, I think if Dreamgirls didn't happen and almost get him an Oscar, he probably would have been nominated for Dolomite. But like because Netflix made that movie one of their lowest priorities this season. Yeah. Even though like he did a lot of things right in terms of campaigning. I was really surprised that The Two Popes was able to sort of rebound because it seemed like the air had gone out of that balloon almost entirely we'll hold on mm-hmm. put a pin in air going out of balloons when we talk about our uh, uh we'll get there we'll get there um speaking I mean, of there's... campaigns that did everything well i have another example of this that i'm i'm gonna sit on for now and i will bring it up later but uh, but as you mentioned the fact that i i did the number i crunched the numbers on this 63 percent of feature film nominations Went to the best, went to the nine best picture nominees, which is like a huge jump up. It's the la- in the in the it's best crazy. in the best five plus picture era. That number has been around fifty percent generally. Um, it's a huge jump up, and if you take away the animated animation feature, documentary feature, and foreign language feature categories, which very you know historically have very little overlap with best picture anyway right if you Mm -hmm. take away those it's 72 percent. it's just like it's insane how concentrated every category is not just the acting categories we've been used to lately the acting categories being sort of choked off for just the best picture nominees this year it's only tom hanks and kathy bates right are the only two nominees two popes also didn't get a best picture nomination so so yeah hanks hopkins kathy bates um, Judy, Judy, Renee Zellweger, and Cynthia Revo. So, like, it's a very few. It's yeah. a very, very few acting nominees. But it's, but it's, it's, it's the fact that like the costume design field is five best picture nominees. That has never happened before, ever, ever. There's always some weird and wild shit going on in costume design. There's always some weird and wild shit happening in like cinematography. This year we got the lighthouse. That's good, but like otherwise, like, it's best picture. That, I love that the lighthouse gets to be the one weirdo at the back of the room of these Oscar nominations, just like setting yeah. things on fire. I don't know. Yeah. The, and everybody else is just like sitting nicely at their tables. Best it's, production design is all five. You know, best picture nominees. Best makeup and hairstyling is you know, Joker and 1917. And then, like, yes, Bombshell. But, like, Bombshell doesn't stray too far. Judy doesn't really stray too far. And then, like, Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. Fine, cool. But, like, I don't know. Everything feels very, very close to the center. And just the overall suggestion is we didn't watch a lot of movies. And granted, they had a much shorter calendar They probably didn't have time to watch as many movies yet this year because the calendar was so short. It was a stupid, you know. The Academy are not film obsessives the way that we are where we watch everything. So it's like, we watch way more movies than some of it. But like when you have campaigns running, telling you what other interesting movies there are, like, I don't know. Like, 
I just yeah. can't imagine having a stack of movies that you can watch or like you are being sent invites to screenings and like the things that you prioritize are Joker and Ford v Ferrari. You know, well, but also, and, why weren't why hadn't you already knocked out those movies weeks ago? Why hadn't you already seen yeah, Joker exactly. and you know Once, Once Upon, Upon a Time, Time in Hollywood yeah. and Parasite? Like all of those movies had been up and open forever, and a lot of those screeners had been out since around right around Thanksgiving. Like yeah. it's no excuse to at least hit, you know, fifty movies. I bet you, you have a lot of time these to get to something uh you obviously you have time to get to hustlers you have time to get to the farewell you have time to get to the last black man in san francisco like yeah yeah yep yeah yeah exactly but again i think we've i mean it is not a you know an outrageous statement to say that we take this stuff a lot more seriously than a lot of people have <laughs> Oscar ballots. yes um i was just sort of scrolling through the oscar ballot and this means nothing to our conversation whatsoever um but i haven't done dove into the shorts yet but there's one i want to say it's an animated short yes called kitbull that i know nothing about but if it's about Apparently what it on sounds Disney like Plus. if it's about what it sounds like which is a kitten that behaves like a pit bull i cannot wait to watch it and if it's not about that i don't have any interest in it kitbull is that but it is about nine thousand times darker than that oh wow <laughs> i think i have written about it as saying that it, i think it is the darkest thing currently available on disney oh Plus. wow that's that, that movie. i remember you writing about that i remember reading when you wrote that up for primetimer it's certainly not something that i want to shit on in any way um, okay because i do think it's legitimately great i still have uh-huh. to see the shorts as well but um, it, it gets into, like, I'm one of those people that, like, I have a hard time watching depictions of animal abuse mm-hmm. and animal suffering, and it is very much that. Wow, um, great. But it's In great. Good luck to you, Kittle. short film. Wow. All right. Let's put the, uh, put the tab with the Oscar nominees aside and open the tab that is all of the Oscar-buzzed movies this year that did not get nominated, because that is what we're here for. We're here to celebrate celebrate sometimes is in scare quotes but normally it's not it's we want to celebrate the class of 2019 the oscar buzzed movies that didn't make it even if we didn't like them they served an essential purpose lucy in the sky you served an essential purpose seabird you served it quickly served your purpose well right exactly the kitchen fast food remember the kitchen now we can say remember the kitchen you guys like that's the one that just we were so excited for the kitchen last year chris remember Uh, that i've never the only thing in the past year that has made the light drain from my eyes (laughs) faster than sitting through the kitchen that I had the highest hopes for possible was when Jennifer Lopez didn't get nominated. Wow, it's been a rough year for you. Yeah, those two things right there. And the kitchen at least had grimy scumbums Donald Gleason and Elizabeth Moss becoming like a weird Bonnie and Clyde. You mean to say that they played an on-screen couple who got horny from chopping people up into pieces? Yeah, they fucking did. They did. They would, like, saw bodies in a bathtub and then get horny for each other. And that's the best thing about the kitchen. And they were freaking hot doing it, I will say. So They needed a shower. That's part of the kitchen. It, it was perhaps sexy for <laughs> needing a shower. All right. 
Um, so as yes. we did with last year, we are maintaining our class of whatever categories. Right. So we'll break this down into a few our categories. foolishly we'll named both, categories, yes. Yes, our, our silliest named categories to honor this had Oscar buzz titles of your and perhaps the future if we ever add categories. We will see. Yes. As always, um, we won't be covering any of these movies on the podcast for at least a year. We have a moratorium rule where we wait one year. We sort of, we jumped that year by very, very slightly by covering uh, Welcome to Marwen at the end of as a last Christmas present. calendar year. It was a Christmas present. But like, as I said on Twitter, we will not be addressing the issue of cats. You've heard of several kinds of cats and my opinion now is that you should need no interpreter to understand our character you've learned enough until january 13 <laughs> 2021 at the earliest but mark that down in your calendar katsasode is coming we will dangle the katsasode in front of our listeners like a roach into rebel wilson's mouth Jesus Christ. So appetizing. Anthropomorphized roaches in the movie. I get it, I get it, I get it. Um, so first, your memory I'll jog And say a cat is not a dog So first, your memory Still haven't seen cats. Um, all right. So we're going to go through... Our, oh, so before we get into the categories, though, a little note about, as we did last year, the movies <laughs> that were, were sort of holding in their own little category for this. We're talking mm-hmm. about Hustlers. I'm talking about The Farewell. Movies that did not get nominated at all this year but we have no desire at present moment to tap dance on their grave like so many Rebel Wilsons. Yeah, but um, we want a vague amount of schadenfreude or at least a time for a movie to be forgotten and us to remind you, hey, this is great and deserved better rather than like, guys, even in a year doing a Hustlers episode is going to break my heart. Like, Right. But like I, time will time will give us perspective. Look, this time last year I was out here telling y'all that I would never do a Widows episode because I was that adamant that Widows was better than these That was last year's heartbreak for us. Right. But as of now, a year has gone by and I I listen, don't be surprised if we do a Widows episode at some point because save it for some type of special purpose. Time heals. So what I'm saying is Hustlers is special this year. Farewell is special. Anything else we're going to set aside from the uh, Joe from and the I rabble? also may not agree on some titles. We will see. We don't. I don't know. So I always feel like certain things that are more about critical support, like the critics are supporting it. Maybe there's not really a campaign for it. And maybe it's just really not on Oscar's radar as much as you want it to be. Like, we're huge Her Smell champions. Like, that movie did not... That movie was lucky to have had screeners sent out. Like, that's probably not something we would do. Here's the thing about Her Smell that I find very fascinating is Her Smell got screened at 
the Toronto Film Festival in 2018. Mm-hmm. Was released in theaters in March of 2019. Did not make a dent in award season, nor did it even make lists of like things that should be getting nominated that are not. Like even like yeah. Alfre Woodard got a lot of where is Alfre Woodard this year? Mary Kay Place got like a couple of best actress recognitions, even though Diane was like way off of the radar. And that's only because people who saw those movies were agitating for those movies for the better part of 2019. And I think the funny thing with her smell is the second people saw it, two things were indelibly true. One, Elizabeth Moss gives an Oscar worthy performance in this movie. And two, it will never, 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 never happen because of factors such as the title of the movie and the the movie. itself yeah exactly the fact that it made $200,000 it's Um, a great movie but it is so aggressive. you can watch it on HBO right now listeners please do but because of that because of the fact that like everybody who loved it also fully accepted the fact that it was never going to happen as an awards movie it never got brought up again it never got brought up in context of you know the best performance that is not showing up in nominations whereas like clemency got a lot of ink out of where is elfrey woodard in these critics awards and on these short lists and whatever and diane got a couple of awards diane the mary Kay place movie which was just as dead in the water in terms of like an oscar play as anything else it was never going to happen either but got a couple of best actress statues out of this idea that like we're going to crusade for something that doesn't have as much of a chance because that's what we're here for. We're here to advocate for it. And I wonder if, like, if those of us who loved her smell had been like, you know what? It's not going to be an Oscar thing, but we're going to, like, we're going to hector the, you know, awards voters of America anyway. Mm-hmm. Whether we'd at least have been able to talk about it during award season this year. Because I do feel like that movie got totally swallowed up and got totally, you know, ignored in a way that it probably shouldn't have relative to how good it was. Yeah, and I think some of that has to do with maybe the early release of it. That's possible. Like, it's easy for a movie to fade away if it opened six months ago. When did Diane open, though? Was that a... I feel like that had opened... I felt like I'd been Diane had another interesting festival run, because wasn't... Didn't it premiere, like, 2018 at, like, Tribeca? It was a Tribeca premiere. Hold on, let me pull it up right now. It was... Tribeca... April of 2018 was its was its first ever premiere. Then it was mm-hmm. like Festival Circuit, Festival Circuit. And then it was limited release March 29th, 2019. So pretty similar. Let me find mm-hmm. out when her smell was. So it was just like, that was another one where it's a spring release. And, and I think for whatever reason, the Diane people had a little bit more of a spark of hope. Yeah, her smell wasn't till May. May of... Uh, 2019 that it opened Mm. um or april limited who cares whatever um i just think it's kind of fascinating of course sadly i mean alfrey woodard i think we both agree absolutely should be nominated this year but like it was distributed by neon who kept getting further and further ahead with parasite and they devoted all of their energy and money which they don't have a lot of to parasite and parasite was the right off yeah, it was the right call. They did the right. They, you know, they made the right decision. Um, Clemency, just... I think, was always like like her smell was always going to have 
a difficult time just simply because of what the movie is, even though I think it's a good movie. You um, wish that it's the ki- that Woodard's performance would have been the kind of thing to be able to be carried by critics' awards and her own good reputation. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And it, there's ultimately only so much that can do. And you know, it is currently expanding. Listeners, go see Clemency and give it your money, and that can be whatever win for that movie yeah. it can be. But you know what? We're also speaking too soon about all three of these actresses because they could still win the Indie Spirit Award. I do love the fact that the Indie Spirit Awards, for for how all of this is shaken out, have so little overlap with the Oscars. Like, it was... my I had written several years ago about how sort of dismayed I was that the Indie Spirits and the Oscars were overlapping. Like, 2013-2014 was, like, mm-hmm. the real dark period where, like, all of the winners for both were the same. And a lot of it wasn't... It wasn't necessarily that the indie spirits were going commercial necessarily. It was also that the Oscars were getting more indie. So like, you know, everything yeah. was sort of like moving it's to the kind middle. of a meeting in the middle. Right. But the indie spirits do have it in them to like go really off the path to, the, you know, to a, a, to a place where Oscar cannot follow. And yeah. those are, and I don't think like it needs to be all nominees like that, but I want to pull it up for this year. Because it's a really good mix. And this is like, Jennifer Lopez is nominated. So, like, let's all watch the Independent Spirit Awards this year. I was going to say, seriously, everybody, especially if you're complaining about the Oscar nominations and you're upset by them, seriously, watch Indie Spirit this year. They always stream online. It's the day before the Oscar ceremony. There's some real chances for some cool stuff to win. It's in the afternoon. You don't have to stay up late. Yeah, Yeah. So, like, only... Marriage Story is nominated in Best Feature. That's the only Oscar-nominated film to be in Best pe- to be in Best Feature. The other ones are A Hidden Life, Clemency, The Farewell, Uncut Gems. A really nice cross-section of movies that the Oscars completely ignored. Um, and then in the performances, you've got Renee Zellweger nominated for Judy. Probably will win still, although you if think the Indie so? Spirits... I do still think there is a thing of if there's one Oscar nominee in a bunch, they'll gravitate to that if only because yeah. everybody else will just split each other's votes although the rest yeah. of that category talk about what we've been talking about alfrey woodard for clemency mary Kay place for diane elizabeth moss for her smell exactly hong chow for driveways and karen allen for colwell so like and again those last two are movies that i have not seen i have not heard of but every year when i go and i watch the independent spirit awards i'm always get i always watch a clip or two and i'm just like oh i should see that movie and I'm hoping that that's what this will do. In Best Actor, there's Kelvin Harrison nominated for Loose. Um, the ones you've heard of are Robert Pattinson for The Lighthouse and Adam Sandler for Uncut Gems. But Kelvin Harrison for Loose, Matthias Schonartz for The Mustang, and Chris Galust for Give Me Liberty. So, like, again, a good mix of stuff you've heard of, stuff you haven't, stuff in the middle. Um, and then the only other... I think Renee's the only Oscar-nominated performer... Yeah. Yes. It's amazing. It's great. It's a great, like, it's a great, it'll be a great excuse to see some of the performers that, like, came up just short. Uh, Zhao Shuzhen for The Farewell is nominated. Noah Jupe for Honey Boy. Shia LaBeouf for Honey Boy. Willem Dafoe for The Lighthouse. Like, it's some really good stuff. 
Indie Spirit Awards. All right, let's get to what we wanted to talk about. Yeah, let's the meat jump into potatoes. our categories. Yes. Okay, so we call this first one the Cake Memorial Prize for the Happiest Miss, which is what film that didn't get nominated made us as happy as it did when Jennifer Aniston was not nominated for Cake in Best Actress in 2014? Chris, yeah. why don't you lead us off? Okay, so in terms of things that really could have shown up, my first answer would be Motherless Brooklyn, because it You were worried up, about that score nomination, weren't it you? It was bake-offed in score and song, yeah. which, like, one thing about Motherless Brooklyn getting nominated is that we would never have to rewatch it for a potential episode, so we'll probably have to do Motherless Brooklyn at some point. Um... And I'll have to rewatch that very bad movie again. Um, Motherless Brooklyn. It has has some actual like ideas there, but they are all executed very poorly. And also, like uh, this is where I maybe get some people mad at me. The two Bake Off categories. One of them would have been Tom York, who has been threatening us. With getting an original song nomination a couple times now. You didn't like the Suspiria song? I cannot abide. <laughs> I liked the Suspiria score. I will absolutely say that. That that yeah. would have been a great nominee. But, like... Uh, sorry, guys. I don't get it with Radiohead. <laughs> That's, like, the one pop culture thing that I'm like, you know what? I just really don't get it. Uh-huh. Um, sorry. Um... But, like, Motherless Brooklyn, otherwise, like, it's another movie that, like, takes things that are affecting black people and views it solely through a white lens. The song that it was shortlisted for was truly unlistenable. A funeral dirge for whales. (laughs) I mean, and, like, just really out of place for the movie. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I'm yeah. glad that we instead got like whatever we got the Joker score. I don't care, but like I think um, it's bad. I like she the seems Marriage lovely. Story got nominated. Sure, fine, yes, whatever. Yeah. Um, I'm glad we got the Marriage Story nomination for uh, mm-hmm. Randy Newman. I thought that was a pretty good little score. I'm relieved we got the Little Women score, and I'm hopeful. I'm genuinely hopeful that Thomas Newman finally wins an Oscar because Thomas Newman should have an Oscar. Yeah. I don't I don't care what you think about 1917 or its score in particular. He should have an Oscar. He's, you know, it would be my he's done guess so much good stuff. So what's going to win? Me too. Not just because he doesn't have one. Um, actually, uh, no. I honestly think Joker's going to get that score. It did like, win the Golden Globe. It won the Golden Globe, which is actually a bad omen for it to potentially win an oscar but like that composer seems absolutely lovely um good for her but i i despise how that score is used in that movie yeah yeah um i don't want that to win i really don't want that to win i know i do think it is gonna win though i would you know women should be winning in more categories but absolutely not for that um all right so my choice so your choice for happiest miss is motherless brooklyn any runners up in that category for you uh, I mean, we, I, I was going to wait to mention more until I heard from you, but I guess my runner-up, which is something that absolutely, by the time we got to nominations, was almost forgotten about, it would probably be my pick for worst movie of the year, and that oh. is The Laundromat. Oh, uh, where did you think The Laundromat could possibly show up? Well, I mean, Netflix originally positioned it 
for as like one of its Oscar titles until it sure, showed yes. up at the festivals and like completely bottomed out. Yeah. Plus, it's like it's Soderbergh, it's Meryl Streep. Um, I kind of liked it. I didn't love it, but like. I thought I, that I that movie is just it. another one of those, like, everybody pins it to Adam McKay, but there's other filmmakers doing it where it's like, let's do a bit on something that, like, you know, actually affects human lives, and let's try to tell the audience how stupid they are about things that, like, maybe they actually did know. And, uh, all right, I will say this. I think, yes, you're right, that is how they act, but also I think, by and large, the audiences are just that stupid. So yeah. it's... You know, six of one half dozen. I I don't think they're that stupid. I certainly don't think they're as stupid as the laundromat thinks they are. So <laughs> another happiest miss would be the laundromat. My happiest. All right. So I went two ways on happiest miss. One of what one of which was, what movie was I happiest that I won't now have to go track down and watch, to watch all the Oscar nominees. And the answer to that was Gemini Man, just because. I have no I have no interest in Gemini Man. I saw I didn't want to have to go round and round with Ang Lee about the frame rate per second thing again and why I don't like it and why not liking it doesn't make me a bad cinephile or whatever and like all that sort of stuff. I, I get mean, it. I think people are going to agree with you on the high frame rate thing. Yes, but then the really smart ones are the ones who are just like if you were really smart, you would agree to give this a better shot and it's just like i don't wanna so there it's not a great movie i mean i do think that it would have been a rightful visual effects nominee because they do (sighs) really cool stuff that like is believable when you watch the movie i mean not all the visual effects but like when that movie sings it really sings in that level at the same time it's not a good movie don't want to have to watch it now i don't have to the other happiest miss and this is me being an asshole but whatever I was the only thing that made me happier about Taron Edgerton not getting nominated was that Uncut Gems didn't get nominated for anything. I was satisfied in a way that I equal and opposite to me being dissatisfied for Jennifer Lopez getting snubbed. At least Adam Sandler and Uncut Gems did not get nominated. I fucking hate the Safety Brothers. I did not enjoy having to be that tense for that long just to follow a story about so many pieces of shit in I terms of characters. I wasn't as tense as everybody performs being uh, with that movie. okay. I think everybody is, like, talking to the heavens about how tense that movie is, and it's panic attack-inducing, and I'm like, I'm, like, laughing the whole movie. Like, I don't... Maybe not the whole movie, but, like, I, I, I think... I think the hyperbole is uh, enough, friends, and it's not putting the movie on a footing that it deserves. Um, I like that movie more than you. However, I'm going to give the tiniest bit of pushback on that qualifying for us, because I think, even though some people were trying to be like, oh, it's going to be like a whiplash because it's going to get these categories, or it has a chance in these categories, I think that that is a movie that the only Oscar chance it had was with Adam Sandler. I I just I think that's more of a critics movie than it ever could possibly be an Oscar movie and it wasn't really I guess you could say Wait, 24 though. campaigned for it but like that they wasn't their did. campaign baby. They definitely campaigned for it. They absolutely I mean they did but like Adam is Sandler that an made Oscar the rounds for that movie. movie. Chris any other 
actor who got who got an award from one of the four big critics groups, we would consider right, for right, this right. at Oscar Buzz. Would we you consider would. Diane? Yeah, now, yes, absolutely. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah. See, listeners, uh, we don't always meet minds here, but I understand what you're saying for it to be a happiest miss. Maybe I'll be a real witch sometime and make us do an Uncut Gems episode <laughs> so we can talk about this further. Uh, listen, I'll just talk about Adina Menzel for an hour. That's fine. Listen, Fantastic. I'm going to make you talk about Motherless Brooklyn. So it's, you know, Adina it'll be Menzel shuffle running across <laughs> a parking lot in that blouse is one of the funniest fucking things I've seen this year. Also, Julia Fox is a national treasure. Hearing that the Softie brothers had no idea that Adina Menzel was famous for anything I, is not endearing. <laughs> it's infuriating. It's absolutely infuriating. Yeah. I was so mad. Oh, it's so mad. She's great in their that. movie, though. <sighs> Justice for Adina Menzel. Justice for Adele Dazeem. Justice, by the way, for Frozen 2, my favorite animated movie of the year that didn't get nominated for Best Animated Feature. I was having this conversation with a friend off mic, and I was like, this is glib to say, but the Oscars hate women so much that they <laughs> snubbed Frozen 2. The most feminist animated movie of this or any year, Frozen 2. Um, Every time again, I hear people talk about glib, how they don't like... It... I was listening to some conversation where people were talking about how they didn't like Frozen 2, and they were talking about, like... Because the plot was too into, like, the history of Arendelle or something like that. And I was like, why is that at all what you're paying attention to when, like... I think because it's boring. Our lesbian Snow Queen is literally (laughs) running through an ice vagina to figure out what her (laughs) destiny is and to find out that her destiny is herself while literally brushing aside phalluses of ice like as she runs it is it's so good it's so good i'm like bursting into tears while this is all happening by the way because she's singing a song about self-empowerment and also self-discovery so like uh, um like uh, frozen Two, you guys frozen Two. also can i tell I you the everything funniest... not involved in what you're saying is boring as hell in that movie okay fine Ish, I guess. Okay, yes. I gotta tell you my Frozen 2 story, my Olaf the Snowman Frozen 2 story. So, I'm seeing it with my sister over Thanksgiving break, and, um, because I know I'm gonna need to see it for the Oscars, thank God at least I needed to see it for something, it got the song nomination, although the wrong song, not our conversation right now. Anyway. Right, right, right. Um, we're seeing it with the theater with the recliners, and it's really comfy, but, like, you know, when those recliners, in those recliner seats, the one thing we have... You know, we've accepted the gift of comfort and we've sacrificed a little bit of the gift of silence, right? Because when those recliners go up and down, you hear them and sometimes they're very squeaky. And sometimes they're like squeaky in kind of a really funny way where it's just like, you know, they sound like farts. Um, But so like Frozen 2 and whatever, I'm going to spoil Frozen 2. It's been out for long enough. You had your chance. Um at some point, for no reason whatsoever, it is like literally just like decided on screen that Olaf the snowman's gonna die. 
and he just needs to die. And so they have this whole sequence where it gets incredibly sad, and you're just like, is Olaf gonna die? And then like, it's is not o- sad that that annoying ass. <laughs> Okay, Man well, dies. but like, but also, I'm in a theater full of children sure, who are sure, like sure, 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 hanging sure. on Olaf's soul. every word and like laughing at everything he does. And you can hear the unrest in the theater around you where it's just like, Olaf's not going to die, is he? And then it's like, and Olaf is sure as hell dying. And then like, uh, Olaf's dead. And then like, Anna's like, well, Olaf's dead. And literally, the theater falls silent. All these children, I'm waiting for a kid to, like, burst into tears. And all I hear across the theater is... As, like, (laughs) one little recliner. And my sister and I are shaking, trying not to burst out laughing. It's so it was the greatest experience of the entire year in a theater for me it was so good and they whatever and whatever it was it kept the kids from crying because like oh my god and then at the end Olaf is just back and whatever and it's fine but just like what a roller coaster of emotions that was anyway oh, that's my frozen two story if anybody's mad at me for shitting on frozen i did defend it in its snub um i just don't like the original either so I think anyway. I liked this maybe better than the original. Yeah, that's fine. It's a powerful story of lesbian empowerment. Okay, anyway. Um, our next prize <laughs> is what we call the Justice for Slaughter Race prize for saddest miss. Now, if you remember, Justice for Slaughter Race was the song from Ralph Breaks the Internet that deserved to get nominated and didn't get nominated. So what was the saddest? Let's throw put aside Jennifer Lopez because we've had that discussion. Besides J-Lo. What was the saddest miss for you of this Oscar ballot? Honestly, I is it's one we haven't talked about and it would be and it was only really going to happen for one performance. I really thought it would get there based off of preferential voting and that's Lupita Nyong'o for us. Um Yeah, I'm I'm amazed this didn't get nominated. They campaigned I, for it so hard. And again, it just comes back to, like, these lazy thinking. Like, I think it's, like, it was a movie that people were able to reduce down to just, finger quotes, a horror movie. And I think that movie's outstanding. I think she is, if it wasn't for Elizabeth Moss, she would absolutely be my performance of the year. Um, And I just think it's a campaign that did absolutely everything right. They got magazine covers. Mm -hmm. They campaigned early from the get-go. I mean, it felt like Lupita was everywhere she needed to be. Yeah. And it just didn't And I think from from the press end of it, I think they did everything right, too, in terms of all those things that, like, every once in a while you hear about, like, people like Mark Harris talk about how we close off options too early and we narrow the field too early by talking about the likeliest versus the unlikeliest. I don't think anybody did that with Lupita and us. I think she was on people's predictions lists all through the year, even if it was just as like a don't forget about this person. And ultimately she's been around all year too. Like we saw that performance last February. Right. And like, why weren't we cementing that spot early on? And I think it's because, like, this may be a fault on prognosticators. Like, you're saying, like, we thought of it more as a don't forget about Lupita thing rather than this is Lupita's, you know? Well, but I like, think also you look at the arc that it took and it, like, if, if from now that we know where it ended up, it went through the exact arc that Emily Blunt in A Quiet Place did, which was 
Um, mm. Except for the fact that it won New York Film Critics' uh, Best Actress Prize, which <laughs> this year really taught us, if we didn't already know from the last couple of years, that awards voters do not give a shit about the New York Film Critics Association. Um, New York Film Critics Circle, sorry. Um, but the fact that it was like SAG nomination, that everybody sort of, a lot of people were predicting it, uh, to get into the actual Oscar field, and then it didn't happen, and ultimately it was sort of judged to be high-end horror, but still horror. And ultimately, if nothing else, the last two years should ha- should be teaching us that you're getting some of the best acting of the year out of these high-end horror movies, with Lupita, with Emily Blunt, with Florence Pugh in Midsommar, with Tony, yeah. Tony Collette last year in Hereditary, and like, and those two actresses didn't even come as close as Emily Blunt and Lupita Nyong'o did. So, like, mm-hmm. at some point, we gotta start opening our eyes to this stuff. I don't know. <sighs> My choice for Justice for Slaughter Race, I had, I think I, I you know, had a few options. I could have gone for any number of the best actress contenders. Alfred Woodard, we talked about Julianne Moore and Gloria Bell. I thought I was sort of really bummed that that couldn't even get into like best actress in a comedy at the Globes. What a great place for that to have been. Mm -hmm. Um, Although Gloria Bell as a comedy is kind of a borderline case, but yeah, it's comedy drama, whatever they've had. It has a comedic catharsis. Yeah, I think it does. It truly does. Anyway, um, uh, Mary Kay Place and Diane, as I said, two movies that I was surprised never really caught on um, were Dark Waters, the Todd Haynes movie Dark Waters, and um, The Report, which I get why a lot of people, The Report maybe gets a little bit forgotten because it's so workmanlike in what it does well. I was of the opinion that Annette Bening was great as Dianne Feinstein and would have been a totally worthy nomination. I was glad that the Golden Globes even at least gave her that. But, like, a screenplay nomination for the report. Like, I, you know, Adam Driver had a... Screenplay would have been absolutely gettable, too, because original screenplay was not that competitive. Oh, I actually thought original screenplay was Wait, pretty Oh, no, good. I'm thinking of the wrong one. But they still Adapted. could have gotten it. I'm sorry, yes. but if 1917, which I get it, is a major frontrunner and peaked at the right time for nominations... 1917 is a weird, weird nomination. Like, my gosh. It's not going to look good in hindsight at all. If 1917 can get a screenplay nomination, I absolutely believe that a screenplay nomination for The Report would have been gettable. So The Report isn't based on anything. That's so funny. Yeah. I would have thought for sure that was based on a book, you know, something, an article, something like that. I think we're going to have a lot to say in this Class of 2019 episode about Amazon's output this Mm. year. I think absolutely no one came away from this Oscar season as a bigger loser than Amazon, to be honest. Like, they've had a rough box office year, but like... They came out guns ablazing with a couple like things that were really good on paper, and I think the report is one of them, and it just didn't pay. What off. were the other? Remind us of what the other Amazon Studios movies were this year. Um, let me try Aeronauts. to pull uh, the Aeronauts. Obviously, Seaberg. Everybody sure. forgot about Seaberg. Peterloo. Um, Peterloo, which they bumped from the previous year. Right. Um, they also had One Child Nation, yeah. which is a sad miss for me. That was 
my favorite documentary of the year, and it uh, did not get nominated. They also had um, the their only nomination is an uh, international feature with Les Misérables, which is not very good, um, even though it's very well made. But they also had the movie that I've been begging everybody to watch, um, which is Invisible Life, that did not get right. the Bake Off. They had Honey um, Boy too. Honey Boy, which never seemed to really get arrested in a way that I kind of find surprising. I kind of didn't like it, so... I kind of didn't like it either. Like, I I want to have, like, good faith estimations on that movie and mm-hmm. because of what it is, but, like, between this and Rocket Man, like, I can't have any more movies where men hug representations of their lost childhood. <laughs> like, yeah. and I sound like such a jerk to say no, that, you're but not like, wrong. it's not like, I just don't jive with that. So with um, the exception last year of Cold War, which is a pretty good exception considering how much that movie overachieved as far as Oscar oh, was concerned. Yeah. With the exception of that, it has been a really rough three years since the manchester by the sea triumph of 2016 where they had such a great year they had manchester they had um the handmaiden that year they had um i mean they had a bunch of like co-productions whatever right but yeah like manchester where by they the had sea, distributing partners right but manchester by the sea was the great big success they had beat netflix to the best picture nomination right and mm-hmm. everything was looking up and then 2017 is that big disaster where they had like the three New York Film Festival movies that all um, sort of cratered with uh, mm-hmm. remind me Wonderstruck, the Woody Allen Wonder Wonder Wheel, Wheel Wonder Wheel Wonderstruck, Last Flag Flying, right? Yeah. Um, and then 2018 they had Cold War, but they also had like Beautiful Boy, which disappointed Life Itself, which certainly disappointed Suspiria, which unfortunately disappointed. And then 2019, all those these movies that we just mentioned, and which like the when the best performing one of them is the report, which barely registered, and like yeah. some of them were like outright laughable and ripped apart. Like it, it really sucks to me that they didn't put more effort towards One Child Nation, a movie I would really encourage everyone to watch, um, to like at least get that. Um, yeah, yeah, I was sort of expecting that that was going to get a documentary nomination. And then you look ahead for Amazon, and it's like Troop Zero, which like I'm going to watch because it's um, Viola Davis and Allison Janney. But it's like it's a kid's movie. and That's, that's been sitting fun. around for a year. That's been sitting around for a year, and it's opening in January. So like, what are the chances that it's really that great? I don't think they're even putting that in theaters. They've got Radioactive, which, like, landed with a whisper at TIFF Mm -hmm. last year with Rosamund Pike playing Marie Curie. Um, And then the Riz Ahmed Ahmed drummer movie, which people seem to really like at TIFF, even though not a ton of people saw it. Um, I'm excited to see it. It seemed like people liked it. Me too. But like, I don't think that's going to be an awards player. Do you know what I mean? Again, I'm yeah. They're not going to they're not going to sit on it for a year, right? When they could have rushed it out this year, if they really thought that it was that kind of movie. Yeah. So like, it doesn't. I don't know. I want. I want them to be. I want them to be a success. I want them to be good. They do have the Leos Carax. a musical with Adam Driver oh, and Marion really? Cotillard. Oh, really? I mean, I can't imagine that a Leos Carrick's movie is going to be an Oscar movie, but, but they could at least have like a, sounds exciting, like 
Yeah, they could have a good movie on their hands. They also have um, the Julia Hart movie, I'm Your Woman, with Rachel Brosnahan. Which I refuse to acknowledge as anything other than Curtis, I'm Your Woman. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. Um, good luck, Amazon. Amazon Studios, we're all counting on you. I don't know. Yeah. To talk a little bit, I want to mention Dark Waters a little bit, which Dark yeah. Waters, they semi-rushed out and, like, dropped at the time. I think they just dropped that movie at the wrong time, or maybe they should have held on to it, because I will say that is a movie that, as it has sit with me, and some of its images have really stuck with me, yeah. and, like, what the implications of those images are. It's a good like, movie. It, it's a really good movie, and I think it is... Also investigating the genre that it is in a really interesting way. I think um, it, like, sets out to be one thing and subverts that by becoming another, Mm -hmm. I think, in an interesting way. Like, this is a terrible comparison, but, like, in the way that uh, much maligned or much loved uh, novel A Little Life does... (laughs) <laughs> that like it begins and you expect it to play by a certain set of rules and right. then it becomes this other kind of character study yeah. that still deals with those themes. Right. I don't know. I think Dark Waters is a movie that, that just needed more time to sit with people so that I'm... it didn't get brushed aside and I'd be uh-huh. willing to bet that people just didn't watch it. I think that's probably true. And I think, in a, again, in a shortened season where tough choices have to be made, there's this movie that nobody seems to be enthusiastic about. It didn't play the fall festival, so it wasn't able to amass any kind of a buzz. And it had this air of being, you know, unnecessary. Less than. Un, un, uncritical. And uh, not crucial, rather. Um, so probably easier to put aside. I'm eager for us to do an episode on it just so we can really dig into what was going on with the Anne Hathaway performance in that movie where like our finest camp performer Anne she's Hathaway. she's she seems to be totally different in every scene um uh, sh- she's sometimes really good and sometimes tremendously bad and sometimes <laughs> the camera refuses to show her face in a scene in a yeah. way that like feels like it's trying to say something, but I don't know. And ultimately it just comes off as like maybe passive aggressive. And like, if it was any other filmmaker than Todd Haynes, I'd be like, well, this person clearly hates women. And like, that's obviously not the case, but like, why does he have her in a scene for five minutes and only show her from the back? It's so weird. There's some interesting things going on. I think in relation to that character that Todd Haynes is very aware of that. He's commenting on how this type of character does function in the genre and like you could point to this monologue that she has i don't think that's all it but like the way that mark ruffalo's character doesn't see his wife or doesn't incorporate his wife in his life and like loses his own life to this case and what's going on i think it's a reflection of that but like i wasn't struck by thinking that she was bad so i would be interesting to pay attention to that on another watch yeah all right. Uh, what's our next category? Our next category, moving along to the Dr. Louise Banks Award for Most Surprising Shutout. Uh, we still mourn Dr. Louise Banks, Amy as I'm Adams. sure we will be mourning Ramona for some time. Yeah. Joseph. Yes. Uh, I was surprised 
We talked a little bit about this. I was surprised that Dolomite Is My Name didn't get anything. Blame Netflix. Not costumes, not any performance, not screenplay. And I think, yeah, I think it's ultimately a casualty of being the fourth or fifth priority at Netflix. It's just a, I don't know, it's just a bummer because I was so surprised by how much I liked it. That, like, oh, what a waste, then, to see it go absolutely nowhere. The other thing is, that Best Actor nomination was super gettable. Mm-hmm. Like, there was, like, a big old melange of folks right down in that fourth or fifth spot. Let's say the fifth spot. Because I, feel, I do feel like DiCaprio and Banderas were probably more solid than a lot of people were saying they were leading yeah. up to it. I think it was four fairly solid nominees, and then a fifth that could have gone anywhere. And the fact that it went to Jonathan Price is baffling to me. Not that he wasn't good, but the buzz had really seemed to leave the two popes. And... What's that? I was just gonna say, I remember talking at TIFF, and it sounded crazy that it was like Netflix could have a complete strong arm on the best actor category yes. this year. Yes. Now, after the fact, it's crazy to me that Netflix's second, if we're assuming that Adam Driver is like at the top of the heap, yeah. that their second best actor nomination among mm. all their movies this year is for Jonathan Price. Like a performance over, that I think is yeah. fine. Over Robert over De Niro. Murphy over Eddie Robert Murphy. De Niro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not to mention wild. Poor- not to mention poor Timmy and his awful haircut in The King. Oh, what a man. waste now. Can you imagine that we made him have that terrible haircut for nothing? <laughs> Just for, for nothing. I wonder how many people have watched that. I still movie. haven't yet. I heard from some people that they liked it, so maybe I'll like it. And of course, weirdo Arpats with his you know crazy accent. I do want to watch that. Uh, not to be the person that's like, I watched it on my phone. But I tried to watch <laughs> it on my phone at the gym while on a bike and I felt like I was trapped, so I stopped watching. <laughs> I felt like I was strapped to this machine, forced to watch uh, this movie as a torture device, and wow. I couldn't. I couldn't do it. Um, but you don't like Timmy as much as I like Timmy, so we'll see. Maybe I. I think Timmy's fine. I love Timmy and Little Women. Um, but like women. that movie is like shot with a flashlight. <laughs> um. Yeah. For me, the most surprising, and I know that we differ on this movie in terms of is this a movie we would talk about, but I am authentically surprised that The Farewell got a goose egg in nominations. Because, like, talk about another campaign that they did absolutely everything right. I mean, maybe the one thing they could have done is open it during Oscar season instead of the summer, but, like, as far as the campaign goes, like, I even think that that was the right call. Honestly, I feel like it, I mean, it got it a lot of good got it buzz. Money. It got a lot of good buzz when it didn't have any competition in the summer, and then it sort of like receded a bit. But I thought it was cresting at exactly the right time. I thought the Aquafina Golden Globe push was happening right at the right time. I think they were giving people a chance to really have seen the movie. By the time it got to Oscar nomination morning, I was even starting to think that Lulu Wang might be a contender for a shocker best pick, best director nomination, just because she was showing up at the right time and right mm-hmm. things at roundtables and whatnot. And I was There's like, just like, I don't know. I mean, they knew they couldn't get Zhao Shuzhen over here that much. So that when did they bring her over here? During the time that voting was happening. Yeah. 
It was um, a very smart and right campaign. before. And like absolutely nobody in the film industry worked as hard as Lulu Wong did last year. She never stopped giving interviews throughout the year. She took that movie around the world. Yep. She like I mean like and she has her own Twitter standum now because she's really great at Twitter. Um, shout out to her and Barry dancing together. I love them. I really uh, do protect love them. them at all costs. I mean, like my whole like epitome of like what love is through the lens of Hollywood has always been Tom and Rita, and like Barry and Lulu have eclipsed Tom and Rita for me. Like, yeah. If they can't make it work, love doesn't exist. It just does. I was listening to her uh, uh, talking at the roundtable, at the uh, director's roundtable for THR, and Greta Gerwig was talking about how she and Noah Baumbach, because they were both there, were talking about how they're, they're, they, you know, bounce each other's work off of each other, and they really do seem to, like, help each other out with each other's stuff, which makes sense, because they've made movies together already. So, like, that's, you know... That seems to be a workflow that works really well for them. And then Lulu starts, you know, mentions that that's, you know, really nice, but that's not how she and Barry work at all. They're, you know, they're, you know, definitely separate for that. And then she mentions how, like, you know, she's like, it's, you know, not easy to find time to do relationship stuff when you're both sort of working in different places. And Mm -hmm. I was just like, oh, this is why these relationships don't work out. And then I was just like... Oh God! It's not even, I know it that's work my out? fear too, but like as we can see with them dancing on Facetime, yeah. at least for now, bless and keep, bless and keep them both. They they are figuring it out. Let's hope they keep doing that so that we don't have to think that love is a fallacy. I gotta watch the farewell again. I was sort of muted when I saw it the first time. I was expecting the wallop I've that never had an emotional response like that in public I, I got gross see um, I want that I didn't have that I, I mean I have a really close I mean like not to make a movie that's not about white people about me but like, <laughs> I do have a really close relationship with my grandmother and like those type of movies yeah. hit me really hard yeah. um, here but this is the thing about The Farewell this is what makes it the most surprising shutout to me like that it blanked everywhere because like where are the movies this year that like make you feel things where are the movies that like have emotion in them I guess it's you could say it's Little Women which like for me is very true I sobbed during that movie Me too. but like the way that they've sold that movie is not through emotion they've sold it through uh, like look at Greta's achievement look at this originality mm-hmm. that she approached this like Material that is very set in its ways. Mm-hmm. And then I guess you could also say Marriage Story, but Marriage Story hasn't really panned out like Netflix. There is hoped. an undercurrent of hostility to Marriage Story that I will never understand. And I don't, from the second it was released on Netflix, when it became everybody's movie, you know, everybody mm-hmm. could watch it, there was this sense of people coming for it for reasons passing my understanding that were just sort of just yeah. like you know why is this why is this movie good why is this whatever why is this that thing where they like they clipped they clipped the argument scene and they just like stripped it of all context and they like turned it into a viral thing and the implication being that like Look at these two overacting, you know, over the top, whatever performers. And 
Yeah, it seemingly so makes sense in the context and the like hour that builds up to it. It's insane that you would like and and uh, it really I think made me so for some depressed people, about how people watch things these days. It's a type of movie that like if we're really thinking about it, like this movie hits people uh, on a certain level, but this is the type of movie that like is not ever going to be as widely loved as you think it might be because it is like a chatty white people movie for the most part. And like, I think why is that bad though? It's not, I don't, I don't necessarily, I think that marriage story interrogates its privilege in very subtle ways and I think people either like don't catch it or it's too subtle for them and they want something like that uh, but like I don't know I think it's a movie that a lot of people don't relate to Um, I even related to it I mean like it's I was going to say, I have thing. neither been married nor experienced divorce in my family, and I can still relate to it. Like, yeah. you find ways to relate to movies. Like, yeah, like, that's why we watch movies. Um, not everything has to be your particular story to speak to you. I, I mean, I, I also say this as somebody who, like, both times I watched Marriage Story, granted the second time worked better, I felt myself trying to like it more than I was liking it. Um, but, like, the things that are special about that movie, I think, are really, really special. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like the knives have been out for it. and You know, not no pun intended. Um <laughs> Since it came out, and 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 Laura Dern too, where all of a sudden Laura Dern became the like the black hat in the best supporting actress race because she was winning things that Jennifer Lopez wasn't winning, and now all of a sudden now because we like one performance better, this other one now has to be bad or like undeserving, and people are like Laura Dern's gonna win her Oscar for this, and it's like she's incredibly funny in this movie in a like crucially like tone tone changing role that like when you when the movie's getting too heavy and dark or whatever she brings it out with this like incredibly skillful comedic performance and everybody's mm-hmm. just like trash it's trash and just drives me crazy i i agree with you in all of these term changing things but i will also say the surprise of laura dern winning for this performance is not all people that are just mad about the jennifer lopez thing because i am i am one of them like i'm I'm do you think it's that much one of those? In, she's better in little people. So inferior to other performances in her career that it will that it will be like in the long run of her career, you'll look back and just be like, "Wow, she won for a bad performance." No, I, I don't think it's a bad performance. I just think it's odd. I mean, I think it'll be indicative of a time of her performance. So no, I don't think it's going to look like a bad Oscar. I more so think it's weird that she's probably going to be this movie's one Oscar um, in the context of the movie. Um, I think in that I do agree with you there. In that, like, it's, yeah, it, it's I think we- that's, uh, that's going to look odd. I mostly just um, think it's weird that Adam Driver hasn't walked away with every single acting prize this year for this movie. He's well, not good uh, that that ugh, yeah. blah, blah, blah. I mean, he's not even on my ballot, and I just the the whole Joker sweep is. Mm. I'm losing my sanity. Um, before we move on to the next category, can I mention one movie that has fully just like flatlined from the time that it premiered? Sure. That is just surprising to me, and I think has been unfairly written off. Um, that's just Mercy, which like 
maybe I'm predisposed to like these type of like courtroom social justice dramas, but like whenever the second it premiered at TIFF, everybody was like, it's fine, but it's just this. And then I saw it and I was like, yeah, but it's like the best version of this that we've seen in a really long time. And granted, it's not on like my top 10 or anything, but like, I just think that I'm very surprised that that was the response to this movie. I haven't seen it yet. It's sort of, it was the movie for me. If you talk about like people deciding what to watch on their screener pile, I went home for Christmas with a screener pile. It was there in front of my face for three weeks and I found other things to watch instead. And And I I think some of that that is Warner Brothers decided that they were just going to give all of their attention to Joker when like Joker was yeah. doing just fine getting attention and getting like taken seriously. But I also feel like part of it was all of the attention in terms of the praise for the movie got laser focused to Jamie Foxx who was like by far my least favorite actor in that movie. Like if it was if it was something where people were like Michael B Jordan is fantastic, let's you know start a campaign for him. I you know, might have been more predisposed to that, but like, I don't know. It is really one of those things where it's like you have two performers in the same category competing and one of them is more famous and that's Jamie Foxx against Rob Morgan. Rob Morgan in Just Mercy is absolutely incredible. Um, He just about made my ballot. Yeah. Um, But like, it was the, that's the type of thing that like if that movie had really landed i think that could have been a movie that got two supporting actor nominations yeah. um rob morgan isn't as famous true flashback to mudbound a few years ago that he also deserved all right so speaking of things that were forgotten the unfinished life prize for most forgettable film i have many contenders for this <laughs> i also have many contenders just Some mercy being one of them yeah uh, I guess the one at the top of my heap for this would be Seaberg, which it's like Seaberg Amazon also forgot they list. had. Yeah. <laughs> and like it premiered at the festivals, did not get a good response, but did get a good response for Kristen Stewart. And then like Amazon absolutely forgot that they had that movie. I um, I remember you go <laughs> showing up in Toronto and you're always trying to make your movie, your schedules and you know, what movies are going to have to get thrown overboard just for the sake of, you know, too much competition. And I remember mm-hmm. somebody being like, uh, after Seaberg screened in Venice, some people were being like, Seaberg's not good. Like, you can not, you don't have to see it. And it's just like, okay. And it's just like, and then Seaberg goes off the list and then it's just like gone. And it's just like, because one person from one review was like, it's not good. And it's just like, but I remember the Seaberg TIFF schedule though, that like every time it screened, it was competing against like two or three other things. Oh, yeah that did have good things so like maybe that was some of it i guess the one that we haven't talked about which like we thought could have possibly come out even in 2018 is best of enemies i have that on my list too oh my god our list we're all happy to forget about that movie where yet again sam rockwell plays a white supremacist um the second that trailer showed up it best of enemies got taken off all of my lists. Like it was yep, just like, yep. because like because it looked so broad and it looked so bad. And like, you can sometimes you can tell from a trailer April that it's bad. And yeah, like it yeah. didn't look like the type of thing that would open in April and be very good long yeah. enough to last. I will say though, my number one, all of those other movies that you just mentioned are on my list for most forgettable but my number one most forgettable is the one i almost forgot to put on this entire master list which is 
the current war, which <laughs> the tulip fever of our year and, you know, long delayed, got totally, you know, swallowed up by the Weinstein scandal where all of a sudden, you know, they couldn't release it under the Weinstein company banner. And also nobody was all that high on it. I think it had already screened at TIFF 2017. And it bombed at TIFF. And it bombed. And I had seen it in like a preview screening even before that and didn't love it. There were elements that I liked, but also they were never able to really pull them together. I thought Nicholas Holt as Tesla was great. And then they like totally forgot about Tesla in this movie. And then I want to see it again because I want to see if the epilogue is still there. Where uh, Probably not because now it only exists as the current war director's cut. Which if you <laughs> go on IMDb, there is no listing for the current war. It's just there is director's only- cut. The current war director's cut. However, you know why that exists? Because this director, after they got it removed from Weinstein's names, because I think there's still like movies that just quite literally don't exist, uh-huh. even though like they film them and everything, because they're still trapped in like legality from being a Weinstein co movie. Um, <laughs> the director who also directed me and Earl and the Dying Girl. Oh right, I was wondering. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um he strong-armed basically they did some reshoots which I'm sure look dubious. Mm-hmm. Um considering that it's like 3 years after the original shot. Mm-hmm. And they recut the movie and he did that and negotiated that with this new distributor because then they were able to make this director's cut distinction and have a separate page on Rotten Tomatoes because the reviews were so bad in TIFF originally they didn't want to sink the movie and then guess what happens? It still gets bad reviews and is rotten on Rotten Tomatoes. It's so, a couple things about the current war. One... Tom Holland is in it, and when they filmed this movie, it was so long ago that Tom Holland was just like a tiny little baby boy. And um, it's weird that there are, I don't know, it's weird that there's this movie now where like our current reigning Spider-Man was a tiny little baby boy that we haven't seen yet. Um, Matthew McFadden is in it as J.P. Morgan, but I don't remember him being in it, and I knew who he was back then, so like he really must not have made an impression, even though he's like Maybe my favorite cast member on Succession right now. Um, what you call it? Tuppence Middleton was in it and was the most face blindness affliction that I've ever had. Where it's just like, <laughs> who? Because she has always, always, always been in some kind of like death race battle with Lucy Boynton for me. For like who's going to get remembered and who's going to not. And what's her face? Also Holiday Granger. Catherine Waterston. Well, no, but I mean, like, in terms of, like, the face blindness battle, because also Holiday oh, yeah. Rangers in that battle. Catherine Waterston is actually... her. She and Michael, actress. She and Michael Shannon in this movie, I think I remember liking their little portion of the movie well enough. Cumberbatch isn't great. Cumberbatch plays Thomas Edison. Uh, Michael Shannon plays George Westinghouse. Nicholas Holt plays Tesla. Tesla pops up in, like, little bits here and there. And then, in my screening of it... The end of the movie comes, and there are, like, four separate title cards that explain to you 
all the shit that Tesla does after this movie ends. And it's all so much more interesting than anything we've seen in the current war. And it made me furious that that wasn't the movie we got to see instead of fucking current war. Just watch the prestige, whatever. Just watch the prestige. That's a great, that's a great idea. All right. New category. Let's move along to our next category, the Angela's Ashes Technicality Prize. This is for the movie that has Oscar nominations but still feels like it's a Thob movie. I pickings were slim God. this year. We yes, that is very true. But I know that we are of the same mind about this. But we don't need to hate Bohemian Rhapsody so much that we have to let Rocket Man in just to be like but this one's better because that one is there are things about rocket man that i really enjoyed the first 25 minutes where it really does seem like rocket man has cracked the code on how to do a jukebox musical as a movie yeah to make it a julie tamore movie made me very happy and i was really excited that we were going to do that and then it completely downshifts into an endless same beats as every rock star biopic movie where he's hooked on drugs for the better part of an hour and like going through the all the same things sometimes with the same like it's still the same thing with like the evil gay manager predatory whatever this time with richard madden or whatever as sanitized of a version of what it is telling you the story of that it might as well have been an original vh1 movies that rock and for as much as people demonized bohemian rhapsody for making it seem like freddie mercury was being punished for his gayness like the movie was sort of that the movie was setting up these structures where one was a result from another enough that it felt like cosmic punishment rocket man does the same fucking shit Rocket Man See, does the I same thought that a lot shit. less with Rocket Man. Uh, I don't know. It's because still Rocket the... Man, you don't have his bandmates who are all heterosexual and married and doing none of that bad stuff like that. But that you do have Bernie Taupin as like the most angelic character in the movie, as his like friend till the end on the sideline, who is always going to be modeling good behavior as a heterosexual. And like, it's not as bad, but it's not that much better it's not as much better as people were saying but bohemian rhapsody did not have a scene where taron edgerton and some meaty ass thighs were crowd surfing on the hands of just willing homosexual men us and it was like that scene alone Give that an Oscar nomination. You Everything know what? else like, I could take. Had away. the Oscar nomination happened, I would have just, I would have like regressed it into mine to be like it's the thighs. It should have been Winston Duke nominated for thighs, but you know, it, because that performance. Uh, thank God it's not. Five nominated. nominees. Five nominees for best thighs of 2019. Go. Um. Uh, well, Taron Edgerton, yep. Winston Duke. Yep. Um. Winston Duke is obviously the winner of yes. thighs. Um. Hmm. I have to think very long and critically about this for best thighs. It was a very thigh-forward year. And we, they I don't thought. have to be all male, because obviously Jennifer Lopez should be nominated here as well. 100%. I was waiting for you to 100%. get there, but you got there. Yep. Um, Winston Duke is still is still nominated. Yep. Um, Absolutely. I think I, if we had I gotten... I say Antonio Banderas. I was thinking about Antonio Banderas, too. Suit. Yeah. 
I think Antonio Banderas is not a bad idea. At all. Hmm. See, like, there's more lusted figures in movies, but, like, most movies lust over, like, abs and shit. I don't care. I know. But it did feel like the thighs were really having a year this year. I truly Mm -hmm. did think. And there was some, like, there was some, like, Cliff Booth action in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Thighs, though? It was more butt, I guess. Yeah, I don't... My mind doesn't go to thighs when yeah. I think of Brad Pitt. Anybody in Endgame? Avengers Endgame? Mm. America's ass, but we didn't really get America's thighs. There's an answer that's there, and I just don't right? have it. It's there. It's out there in the ether. Listeners, if you know who the fifth nominee for Best Thighs 2019 should have been, please tweet at us at had underscore oscar underscore buzz Help tell us, out us your one. winner for best thighs provided we haven't mentioned it yes yeah we've got or if you just want to tweet us pictures of winston duke's thighs <laughs> and <Darren Edgerton laughs> to reiterate thighs, yeah. Banderas and jennifer lopez's yes. thighs that's also fine exactly and if you try and tell us either one of the guys from ford versus ferrari you'll be blocked yep <laughs> that's it that's all there is to it okay um <laughs> Uh, what a, oh, what what's else my technicality? would you say for a technicality? There, this is going to sound weird lot. because I really loved this movie. But okay. I feel like Ad Astra has all of the fixins of this head Oscar buzz Yeah. Movie. That one I felt a little weird because A, I do also love that movie. And B, it was like, that was more of a prediction thing. And we've had this on predictions for a while because like we didn't know what year this movie would even come out. Right. And James then, Gray is the great, like... Lucy Van Pelt football of Oscar prediction, right? Where like a year ahead, yeah. everybody's like, look at this James Gray movie. It looks amazing. It looks like it's got all the elements. It's going to have great design work and it's going to be, you mm-hmm. know, big stars and whatever. And then every year it just could not fall farther afield of the Oscar prediction of the Oscar race yeah. and of the awards race. And it's just like awards voters don't like James Gray. And at some point we're all going to realize this. But until then, we're going to keep every year running up to that football. Listen, a James Gray movie getting one nomination is like a James Gray movie getting yeah. 12 nominations. Yeah. It's like, Honestly, this is a victory. <laughs> Ad Astra, and it got what? Sound mixing, right? Totally deserved. Yes. It also deserved production design. It really should have... Deserved visual effects. And visual effects. And honestly... He's better in Ad Astra than he is in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I know why. I, agree. I know why Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is his big coronation thing, and I don't begrudge it at all. It is nope. the kind of performance that befits Brad Pitt and the career that he's had, and I have no ill feelings about him winning, even though he is a lead performer in that movie. Um, everything's great, yeah, but I do think he's more impressive that's... in Ad Astra. I I agree. It's one of those things where it's like you could as easily put. I would vote for brad pitt in lead to be honest um yeah not that i feel any type of grudge about that but like it's not like i'm snubbing the hollywood performance i'm Mm -hmm. just saying this is the one that i like more exactly and Um, honestly i think in once upon once upon a time in hollywood i think dicaprio gives the better performance of the two which is the other you know which is another thing dicaprio performances it's a great leonardo dicaprio performance it's so nice to like a leonardo dicaprio performance I think the next obvious one for this category is Richard Jewell, which, like, yeah. I 
Yes. Felt all along, like, it felt stupid to not predict Kathy Bates at the end because I was like, of maybe one of two performances I've seen this year, this is the one that feels like it has its Oscar clip moment. And it's like, you really shouldn't, as stupid as it is, like, don't underestimate the power of that. Like, I also feel that about Margot Robbie and Bombshell and, like, everything else feels like, you know there's not that one moment and i think that that is like kind of a powerful thing yeah in terms of but who I, w- I would go for only laura dern and florence Pugh, maybe scarlett johansson and supporting actress i really do like scarlett johansson and jojo kathy bates and margot i think margot robbie is nominated for the wrong movie i feel like i keep saying that yeah um i agree kathy bates is an actress i love i love i think she should have two oscars i think she should have won in 1998 for Primary Colors, and Judy Dench could have won for any number of other things. Maybe Philomania. Um, <laughs> I don't think she's bad in Richard Jewell, but you're right. She I is, do. She is handed this very sort of, like, you know, very tears-forward, heart-string-tugging. Like, it doesn't leave her a whole lot of room. It's, like, 30 seconds long... It's like perfect. It's like yeah. it's very easy to distill down and make like, if you don't want to call it an Oscar clip, but like a memory yeah. that you're gonna have of that performance, a very like, bite-sized thing that's gonna stick out and make you put that name on your ballot. The problem with and Richard like, Jewell is it doesn't know where it stands between being, a, pissed-off drama and a, sort of, not a not a light comedy but sort of a there's there's comedic elements in the movie that run counter to this kind of high uh this kind of high offense that it takes with the fbi i don't know what crane shot set to macarena you're talking about (laughs) okay for like all of that aside all of the like we are going to turn olivia wilde's character into like literal bathsheba like whatever or whatever Jezebel. Wait, who's the one in the Bible who does all the bad shit? Whatever. You're asking the wrong person. All of the worst people in antiquity. All of the worst people in antiquity. We turn Olivia Wilde to in that one. Where she's literally just like kicking up her feet on her desk and cackling about like. uh, Anyway, anyway. But also. Here's the thing about that movie. That's why I hate this movie. That's not just her character. Every other character is a version of that in whatever role they're playing. It's, I mean, like, and it's yet, easy for, like, journalists and people who write for publications to see that first in Olivia Wilde, but every character is like that in whatever they're playing. That's why I also think Kathy Bates is bad, because it's like, her character is put upon mournful mother, and it's just, like, played to these, like, cartoonish levels, but and, like, the other I think thing... she comes out most unscathed. The other thing but. is the movie takes this great high offense at these institutions sort of sizing up Richard Jewell and saying that he fits the profile of someone who's who's going to become a villain, so we're going to make him into a villain. And yet, this movie takes a look at Richard Jewell and thinks they, they can size him up as this, like, fat, dumb buffoon and then makes him do all the fat, dumb buffoon things, and it's just like, mm-hmm. how are you any fucking better? Yep. Oh, it is the most... This and The Laundromat are the most toxic and hypocritical movies I've seen this year. All right. 
Anyway, I also think Bombshell feels like it could just have easily been a technica it could have just as easily been yeah. a this had Oscar Buzz With, movie. Yeah, I let the like wind I think it was never way. Yeah. I think it was never not getting that makeup nomination. But like when you see a bunch of people predicting maybe Charlize Theron wouldn't get in and like the box office was so low, like clearly the this engine was running out of gas. I do think ultimately the degree of precision in the in, uh, impersonation that Charlize does for Margot uh, for Megyn Kelly locked that nomination for her. It just locked it down. So I the think... way that people saw that, yeah, like I mean, I wasn't that impressed by it, and I like, and maybe this is because I love Charlize Theron and I watch all of her movies, but like. I just saw Charlize. I thought it was a really great impersonation. I I did lose, I lost Charlize in a couple scenes, and I really did like see Megyn Kelly. Ultimately, I don't take that as a victory in and of itself. And I think that character was so hopelessly muddled, and I don't think she did enough to bring it out. That like I didn't, I did not think that was a very good performance. Certainly, in I guess I also understand like that being like one of the things that people are so praising about this movie because it feels like the one goal that the movie has period um yeah in like yeah i feel like that's such a nothing movie all right last category last category we have maybe it's the cat's the (laughs) welcome to marwin prize for most anticipated episode joe Tell me what movies you can't wait to have an episode on. Cats is a given. I didn't even bother writing down Cats. Cats is happening. Yeah, I didn't either. January 13th, 2021, Cats is a... Um, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if you looked up a calendar and that is an actual date. The memory will live again. Okay. Um, I actually have something I think maybe I would be more excited to talk about in a year's time. What's that? Than Cats. What? It's the Aeronauts. I do want to talk about the aeronauts. I can't wait to talk about the aeronauts. Although I will say, I haven't watched the whole thing yet. I started to watch it. I was so bored. It's an utter failure. I was like so just on a bored. narrative like tension level. Like it makes every narrative choice to make that movie as unexciting as possible. Yeah. To like deflate, not <laughs> to deflate all <laughs> narrative tension whatsoever. Yeah. Um. Um, Motherless Brooklyn, I can't wait to make you watch Motherless Brooklyn again. <sighs> but also, I can't wait to be The Cheese Stands Alone in our Goldfinch episode. And I was going to say the Goldfinch! I didn't hate the Goldfinch, and I kind of liked the Goldfinch. Not all I mean... of it. Not all of it. But enough of it. I don't want to be one of those, well, as someone who's read the book. <laughs> You're going like, to have to be. <laughs> I think, no, I think the avenue to liking this movie as much as you can is not reading the book. Well, maybe that was it, because I didn't read the book. Yeah. Why is there just too much of the book that doesn't get done justice to? I think what's good about the book is not at all present in the movie. Uh-huh. Um, there, It's... Um, mm, and, like, to some extent, it's a really difficult task to try to make a two-and-a-half-hour movie out of that novel. Um, I don't know. There's just a certain, like, grace to it, and there's a certain level of intrigue and, like, absorption into this character that comes from the language of it, because I think without that, you have a really unboring, an uninteresting lead character who's played by 
uh, what I think is an uncharismatic lead actor. And yeah. Yeah, we do disagree there. Yeah. And I really love Finn Wolfhard. So there we go. Oh, I hated Finn Wolfhard in that movie. Oh, I really liked him. I didn't like the Ooh. adult version of that character, but I liked I liked Finn Wolfhard a lot. As it goes. Okay, so there we go. Class of 2019. Is there any movie we didn't really talk about very much? Not really. I think we Something covered that, basically like, everything. Don't really Lucy fall in the into sky. Our categories. We're going to do an episode on Lucy in the Sky. Don't worry yeah, about it. It's going to happen. Totally. Um, the Good Liar will be a fun episode you, to do. Where'd you go, Bernadette? Yes, another one for sure. Waves. I didn't really know. Uh, see, Waves is one of those things that I'm like, is this really a critical thing? I don't know. Sorry, definitely... I, I feel like you and I maybe are are at an impasse with some stuff this year because I don't know yeah. what it would be about Waves that would make you feel like it wouldn't qualify. I guess more so I'm like, there's maybe 15 movies this year that I think we would easily do before Waves. Um, Waves also just like didn't register beyond like some good reviews but i think that's the story right and that like i guess well there was a moment like there was a moment in toronto where it seemed like waves was gonna happen and then it didn't and then it just very much didn't and it was like and and then it seemed like the reviews coming out of other places after toronto were much more positive and then i was like oh maybe waves is gonna happen and then it just like the campaign just never arrived. Yeah, I don't and know. I it's mean, interesting. It, it didn't make that much money. That's a hard movie to yes. like sell to audiences. I think they probably opened it at the wrong time. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't love Waves. I want to have a good faith estimation of it. Um, and I like that director yeah. more so than most people. Um, I don't know. All right. Do we want to do? We talked about. I think we got it. I think we got it. I want to move on. Yeah, to we pretty much got it. Yeah. We've been talking for a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we both have things to do. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. Let's do an IMDb game, though, before we go, because that'll be fun. Every week, we end our episodes with the IMDb game, where we challenge each other with an actor or actress to try to guess the top four titles that IMDb says they are most known for. If any of those titles are television or voiceover work, we will mention that up front. After two wrong guesses, we get the remaining titles release years as a clue. If that's not enough, it just becomes a free for all of hints. I love a free for all of hints, as we know. Yeah. Um, all right. So, do you want to give or do you want to receive first? I'll go ahead and give okay. first. Um, okay, so one of the titles we talked about that I think you could bet on an eventual episode is The Current War. The headliner of The Current War, apparently, as Thomas Edison, is Benedict Cumberbatch. Right. Who's your challenge for the IMDb game? All right. Benedict Cumberbatch. Let's see. I couldn't remember if we've had him on here before or not, but he is what I have challenged you with. All right. Um, Imitation Game. Imitation Game is correct. His Oscar nomination. Okay. Um, would you have done only if it was only one Marvel movie? Maybe. Maybe you would have. Um, Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange is correct. All right. No wrong guesses yet so far. No wrong guesses yet. And no television. No television, so no Sherlock, what have you. Right, right, right. 
Um, Star Trek, whatever, whatever. Um, Into Darkness, that is correct. Are you going to get a perfect score, sir? Probably not. Star Trek Into Darkness, where he plays not Con Con. Right. I mean, part of me wants to say he's Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, but I know there are probably other movies where he's, like, more central to things. But I know that was one that, like, kind of was a big springboard for him. Yeah, Tinker Tailor, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy is incorrect. Ooh, okay. Um, okay, so you have three correct guesses so far, and we're still just waiting on the one. You have one wrong guess. Right. You get another wrong guess, you're going to get the year for Benedict Cumberbatch. I feel like I can get this in four. I don't know why, but I've suddenly decided I want to get this in four. Um, you have a lot of options. It better not be the current war, I'll say that. Um, I'm trying... Uh, oh, you know what it might be? What might it be? Uh, well, now I've got maybe too many options. I was thinking it might be 12 Years of Slave, but I'm also thinking it might be August Osage County, now that I got into the 2013 cul-de-sac. Huh... August Osage County. August Osage County is correct. Yay, okay. Well done. August Osage County, the poster that we've mentioned before, is one of them that all of the named yeah. people on the poster, yeah. or all of the faces on the poster, yeah. are probably having it in their IMDb known for. Yeah, that's a good point. I doubt that Chris Cooper has it, but I don't think you see him on the poster. Well, I think man. it's just his name. It's the one where they're all fighting on the... Yeah. Now I want to look it up. I mean, no, they're all there. Breslin, Cooper, Dermot Mulroney, Juliette Lewis. Mm. You can barely see Ewan McGregor, but weirdly, like, his crotch is in the center of the poster. It's weird. As all posters should be. (laughs) Anyway. Anyway, who do you have for me? So, a movie we talked about as being incredibly forgettable this Uh year was Best of Enemies co-starring one Taraji P. Henson. Miss Taraji. Which I don't think we've done before. Uh, if we have, it's been some time. Look it up and make sure we haven't. If you have it in front of you. Uh, I don't have that spreadsheet in front of me. Okay, let's just go with it. I, I wanna I wanna go for this. I wanna get the All right. guesses right. Alright. Um, okay, Taraji. Um... Uh, Hidden Figures. Correct. Her Oscar nomination, Benjamin Button. Correct. Okay. Um, now is where it's like, where is this going to break down? There's no TV, right? She's done some TV. Well, there's Empire. No television. No television, okay. People forgot about Empire very quickly. Yeah. Um, what was the name of that, like, movie where the trailers were just, like, her and a gun? Yeah. Um, I forget the name of that movie, so I'm gonna guess that means it's not on there. Uh... How about Hustle and Flow? Hustle and Flow. Yes. Oh, okay, good. Um, 
I'm gonna guess a Tyler Perry movie, and I'm gonna guess one of the ones that I can remember the title for. I can do bad all by myself. I really want. She it. was on the poster. I really want it to be. I can do bad all by myself, but it's not. Ugh. Okay. One strike. Um. Fine. Isn't she in that movie that you always curse me with? Four brothers. Four brothers. Is she in? It's not Four Brothers. Now I want to see if she's in it. I feel like because I've been cursed with that movie several times. Yes, she is. Okay, but I. She's in it, but it's I not one she of was her in known for. I'm having to look at that movie all the time <laughs> to talk about it. Um, all right, so Two what's strikes. my year? So your year is 2010. Mm, that's after her Oscar nomination. It is. Trying. I know she's in Think Like a Man, but I think that was later. What Think else? Like a Man was two years later. Okay. 2010. Mm-hmm. Just like. Is it. I don't think I know. She plays the main character's mother. Okay. Who is the titular character, although not by name. Okay. Meaning the title is... So, like, if the title the was character, The Good Doctor... but not, like, John Smith. Right. Right, it's like a moniker, like, The Good Doctor. Right. Wasn't she in a movie called The Good Doctor? She was, but I was thinking of the TV show. But yes, she was in a movie called The Good Doctor. Uh, okay. The Good Doctor in that was played by Orlando Bloom. Uh, oh, <laughs> not the movie I was thinking of then, because um, I don't know what that is. I don't either. Um, okay. So when did she play a mom of something that's like... So, wait, that would mean the title is about a child. Right. Is it a horror movie? It is not. Okay. Um, it is a remake. A remake. Oh, it's the Karate Kid. Yeah, it's the Karate Kid. Which I never saw. No, neither did I. But I only tangentially knew that she was in that. She hasn't played a ton of moms. No, not God, really. Taraji deserves full fleshed out characters, not just being someone's mother. Jaden Smith, Jackie Chan. Yeah. Taraji P. Justice for Empire, what the hell that it can't beat out the Karate Kid remake that nobody I will remembers. say, a lot of television that I think should be represented on Known Fours is not. It's really not, yeah. yeah. Alright, well done, good job. Uh, Alright. Yeah. Hooray. Alright, glad we could Huzzah. do this little midweek check-in on the Oscar nominees in the class of 2019. We will see you all in a year's time. When we will start not doing all of these, but we'll start seeding these into our regular This Head Oscar Buzz workflow. So, thank you. Thanks, Chris. Get ready for the Jellicle Ball in a year. Get ready for the Jellicle Ball. Or maybe not. It's all happening. Maybe not. Skimble Shanks, we're coming for you, kid. Um, that is our episode. If you want more of This Head Oscar Buzz, you can check out the Tumblr at thisheadoscarbuzz.tumblr.com. You should also follow our Twitter account at had underscore Oscar underscore buzz. Chris, where can the listeners find you and your stuff? 
You can find me in Ramona's penthouse weeping into her fur coats <laughs> and also on Twitter at Chris V. File. That's F-E-I-L. Letterbox under the same name and writing regularly for the film experience. And you can find me uh, crying salty tears into my Swimona, which will weirdly make it more comfortable to cry into. So uh, I'll be on Twitter at Joe Reed. Reed is spelled R-E-I-D. I am also on Letterboxd as Joe Reed. Reed spelled the exact same way. I am writing for Vulture's Gold Rush blog for award season. You can watch me and my writings about the Oscars and watch me go slowly insane unspooling about the various Oscar ephemera that I have in my brain. Should be fun. And also uh, talking about TV on primetimer.com. We would also like to thank Kyle Cummings for his fantastic artwork and Dave Gonzalez and Gavin Mevius for their technical guidance. Please remember to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever else you get podcasts. A five-star review in particular really helps us out with Apple Podcasts. So head to our reviews page and remind us that we're Rick fucking Dalton. Thanks for everything this week, but we hope you'll be back next week for more buzz. DJ put Usher's music on. You know all you gotta do is tell me what you're sipping on. Sipping on. And I promise that I'm gonna keep it coming all night long. And all the girls got up on stage to dance for him.